Each year, through its tribute to Champions of Hope, Global Genes recognizes the creative, innovative, and energetic trailblazers within the rare disease community, attacking the challenges they face and working tirelessly on behalf of people affected by one of the 7,000 rare diseases that impact more than 350 million people worldwide. Nominations are now open for our 2015 awards. For more details and to make your nominations, go to globalgenes.org slash 2015 nominations. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. As a child, Sammy Peterson developed progressive scoliosis, a severe curvature of the spine as a result of a rare genetic disease. The condition eventually led to complex spinal surgery to correct the worsening deformity, pain, and complications. As she recovered from her operation, Peterson, who was 15 at the time, decided to launch the organization Shift Scoliosis, which has grown from a small awareness initiative to an organization that is reaching thousands of people through its education, awareness, and outreach programs. As part of a series of podcasts revisiting past winners of Global Genes Champions of Hope Award, we spoke to Peterson, a 2014 teen advocacy honoree, about her experience with scoliosis, what led her to launch SHIFT, and how she's reaching people around the world. Sammy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be able to talk on this podcast. Well, we're, we're going to talk about your efforts to help scoliosis patients around the world after you yourself was diagnosed and treated for the condition. But let's start with scoliosis itself for our listeners who may not be familiar with it. What is scoliosis and, and how do people develop it? So scoliosis is a side-to-side curve of the spine. About one in 40 people has it worldwide. It doesn't discriminate by age, gender, socioeconomic status, or geographical location. So it's really universal. And it can be developed for several different reasons. About 85% of the time, scoliosis is considered idiopathic, which means they don't know what causes it. And then the other 15% of the time, it's caused by an underlying condition, which in my case is I was part of the 15% there. And those causes can be things like muscular dystrophy, a rare disease, and other medical conditions that cause the curve to develop. Well, as you mentioned in your case, the, you had an underlying genetic disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, driving the, the scoliosis to be quite severe. When you were diagnosed, what were you told about your prognosis? When I was diagnosed with scoliosis, it was actually found during a full screening. And at that time, I didn't know that I had Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I hadn't been diagnosed with it at that point. But over the next few years, my scoliosis progressed rapidly, had a lot of pain, and it just made me develop lung problems and neurological problems, and the doctors couldn't figure out why the curve was so aggressive and causing all these secondary problems. Um, I'd gone to several different orthopedic surgeons and finally found my doctor in New York City who sent me to a geneticist. And at that point, the geneticist diagnosed me, my mom, and two sisters with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And, you know, although it did complicate things a bit for 
my surgery, I had to have extra precautionary measures, like, um, to make sure I didn't bleed a lot. It really sort of was the missing puzzle piece, and it was made my doctor able to fix me and fix my back, and now I'm doing so much better. Well, scoliosis is a, a very disabling disease. You become twisted and hunched. It, it's very visible. What was this like for a young teenage girl? How did it affect you, not just physically, but emotionally and your interaction with peers? Yeah, absolutely. That's an incredible point you brought up. Scoliosis, it does have that emotional component to it that's often, you know, misunderstood. Scoliosis does cause people to have a physical deformity, and it's often hard to hide the scoliosis. It's, you know, hard to hide the brace, and even sometimes after surgery, people that are self-conscious regarding their scars, it's hard to hide those that are fading to and things like that. You know, for me personally, I found that it was very difficult. Peers were not nice about it for the most part. People would laugh and stare and, you know, make fun of my brace and things like that. And it, it was challenging because, you know, you're a teenager and you're already self-conscious about things like a pimple and then you develop this deformity that you can't stop the progression of, that you can't make go away. No matter what you do, you sit and watch your body curve more and more. And, you know, for me, it was really challenging to watch my body continue to get more and more crooked from this curve. Since my surgery, I do still have some asymmetry. I still have a rib hump, and I still, you know, I obviously have my scar. And, you know, it's so much better now that, for the most part, people don't really notice. I kind of am the only one that notices it, which is better. And people, you know, a lot nicer about it now. And I'm more than happy to, you know, wear a bathing suit and things like that and not worry about my scarring asymmetry now. How effective were the initial treatments and what exactly did doctors do? Personally, I had tried several different things, including physical therapy, um, bracing, and neither of those worked for me. Um, because my curve was caused by this genetic condition, I had a less, you know, kind of a worse chance of having it work for me. Most kids with adolescent idiopathic scoliosis have a 72% chance that a brace will stop the progression, which is great. But because of the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and because by the time I had my x-ray, it was already 40 degrees, they just weren't effective in halting the progression. From In 2012, you underwent complex spinal fusion surgery. What exactly did that entail? So during my surgery, it was about six hours long. They implanted two 17-inch steel rods and 17 screws into my spine along with a bone graft. So now 15 of my vertebrae are fused together into a solid pillar. So I can't bend, I can't twist, and stuff like that ever again. And these rods and screws will stay in forever along with the bone graft. So it, 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 at first it was hard to adjust to not being able to move my back anymore. But now everything sort of becomes second nature and I don't really notice any difference at all. At this point, as it were, are you cured? Do you still require treatment for the scoliosis or for Ehlers-Danlos? Scoliosis, there's no cure for it. So I'm treated at the moment, but they don't know what the long-term prognosis for my back really is. At this point, I already have about six screws that are coming loose. So at the moment, they're okay and don't require anything other than, you know, an x-ray once a year. But, you know, 20 years down the road, they don't know necessarily what will become of that. So there's just not enough long-term information on the surgery that I had at this point. As for the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I have to take precautionary measures and have preventative tests done annually for my heart and things like that to make sure that I don't develop any of the secondary complications that 
this rare disease can cause. If I understood it correctly, the, the idea for SHIFT, the nonprofit you founded, came about as you were lying in the hospital bed. Is that correct? Yep. I, my mom had taken a picture of me prior to my surgery. Because we said, for better or for worse, you know, my back will never be like this again. So we wanted to have a picture of it. And finally, after a lot of convincing, I agreed to let her go ahead and take it. And I looked at the picture, and it was it was beautiful. So I posted the picture on my Facebook page, and the response was, you know, overwhelming. So many people coming out saying that they had scoliosis and all this stuff. So I had started a page to sort of document my journey through the surgery and recovery. And as I was lying in the hospital, I was receiving messages from people from all over the world asking for help. And it was sort of at that point that I realized there's just not enough resources for, you know, all these people that are struggling with scoliosis. I said I wanted to give back and help these kids and help these families who are going through the same journey. Just to clarify, you're 15 years yep, old? Yeah, I was 15 then. I'm 17 now. Uh, that's remarkable to, to be thinking of others at that point as you're lying in recovery. <laughs> but what Thank exactly you. does SHIFT do? SHIFT is a nonprofit that works to eliminate the challenges of scoliosis and related conditions through education and connections to medical care. So we have several different programs. Um, we have a blanket program with about 30 chapters throughout the United States, and they donate blankets to kids undergoing the surgery that I had. And the, we have a couple other programs, like a local art class for kids in Connecticut dealing with hardships. But the program that I'm most passionate about is Seeing the Curve, which is our medical outreach initiative. Um, we have a medical team, and we go and we travel to impoverished communities throughout the United States. And we initiate screening clinics in these communities who have never had scoliosis screenings before. And we teach their professionals how to screen for the condition. That way, it's a self-sustainable program that each year they can help screen their own kids in their community and, you know, catch the curves early. Because the earlier that they're diagnosed, the better the prognosis is. And from there, we work with their staff to help make sure that Every child, regardless of ability to, you know, get care due to finances or geographical location, we help make sure that they get to, you know, the best care possible. So we piloted this program on the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe in South Dakota, which is the poorest place in America by U.S. Census. And we initiated the first community-based scoliosis screening program there. And we screened about 1,500 children, which was amazing. It was, you know, the majority of the kids in that community there. And now we've been working with the medical staff that we, you know, help learn more about scoliosis there and to connect these children with the positive screenings to care. And, you know, this this um, reservation is about six hours from the closest children's hospital. Most families don't have transportation at all. So we help facilitate them getting to the hospital for follow-up care if they need it and things like that. Really, you know, making a difference in so many lives of children across the United States and we're working on our mission trips and our outreach trips for this year and hoping to expand abroad, which would be amazing. Well, how big is the organization today, and, and how broad is your reach? We have a very good reach. Um, each, in just social media alone in the past, um, about past 12 months, we've reached almost 2 million people through our social media platform. And, you know, directly for the screenings, we've screened over 1,500 children, and we're working at a goal of screening 10,000 this year. And how big is the organization? Um, Shift, you know, we're sort of still a startup, but working on expanding. We have about five board of directors members, so they're probably small considering there's so many really big nonprofits. But And how are you funded? Our funding is probably our biggest struggle. Um, we have a lot of ideas, but 
fundraising is definitely the thing that we should probably need the most help on. We write grants and things like that, but, you know, any help of funding is always very much appreciated. Kind of rattled through the, uh, the, the various initiatives, but maybe we could walk through them quickly. Walk us through each of the initiatives that you've got, Seeing the Curve, yep. which was the medical diagnosis one you talked about. Yep. What is Wrapped with Love is the Blanket Initiative? Yep. What is Snuggles for Scoliosis? Snuggles for Scoliosis is sort of a really little project compared to the other ones. Volunteers collect stuffed animals and pillow pets, and they get donated to medical groups that travel to countries like Ghana and Uganda and Dominican Republic. And these stuffed animals go to children who are receiving spinal surgery from these charitable medical groups. And oftentimes, these groups have told us it's the only stuffed animal these children will ever receive. So it's really helpful for them emotionally, but also for medical positioning. A lot of these groups go into areas that are, you know, have terrible poverty, and they don't have the same deluxe hospital beds that we do. And a lot of these kids wound up being on stretchers post up from this spinal surgery, which is, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, how that would make them feel. So these stuffed animals, especially the pillow pets, are great for positioning their arms and legs post-operatively, which, you know, has, for most of the that has been extremely helpful. And you also mentioned the, the purple paintbrush, but what exactly is that and what, what impact does it have on, on the patients? So we do this class in Connecticut, purple paintbrush, and we're working with, initially it started with just people with orthopedic conditions. We've sort of expanded, though, to anybody facing, any child facing a life struggle, whether it's a medical condition, an emotional or social challenge, or something like poverty or homelessness. In these classes, it gives these children about 45 minutes to an hour to sort of be free and not worry about the problems that they're facing and, you know, make a really cool piece of art that they can, you know, take back to their family or, you know, hang up on their wall and things like that. You know, it's been, it's been incredible so far. We just started this program last fall when we got funded through a grant for it. And it's just expanded exponentially. We're working with several different groups in Connecticut, including starting the Salvation Army next week, which will be great to be able to reach the 60 kids that they have at the school there. So it's really, really grown, which is great, and it's helping. We have probably a base of about 100 kids that we're reaching up and out right now. Well, you mentioned you were 17. What's ahead for, for you personally, and what's ahead for the organization? You know, for... Me personally, I'm going to go to college next year. Definitely want to continue doing shifts, you know, even through college. And I want to become a doctor to be able to help more children and, you know, be able to provide medical services to the positive screenings that we're finding in these remote locations, be able to help them even more directly there. Um, as for shift, we have big plans. So, you know, keep your eyes open for all the stuff that we have coming up in the next several months. Um, we're planning a mission trip right now to help the Hawaiian natives on a big island, which will be really exciting. Surprisingly, even though Hawaii often seems like a resort town, it's actually one in three children there is living in poverty. And they have the third most prevalent homelessness per capita, which is crazy because it's so, you know, well off in the resort towns, but then you have their own people there that are really struggling just to even get food. So that should happen for the next couple months, which will be exciting. And, you know, lots of other stuff going on. And you know, working to grow the organization as much as possible to help as many people as we can. Sammy Peterson, founder of Shift Scoliosis and a 2014 Rare Champion of Hope Honoree. Sammy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Danny.
Don't forget, nominations are now open for Global Gene's 2015 Champions of Hope Awards. For more details and to make your nominations, go to globalgenes.org slash 2015 nominations. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. 